Hello, this is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And are you ready to get down to this sick beat? No, I am absolutely not. Don't you love this? Can you identify the birds that are in this? I assume you're talking to someone else who's not me. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, Beast Box. Uh-huh. And it is a new game that has come out in conjunction with the Macaulay Library at Cornell Lab of Ornithology and wildlife DJ Ben Mirren uh, to create... Wait, the... that's not a job title. Wildlife DJ? No, that's not a thing. Yeah, it is. It's totally... Bill, haven't you learned anything from the millennials? You just call yourself something. That's it. Actually, no. actually we Gen Xers kind of laid that what track down. No, what you're talking about is Murph and the uh, Muppetones, where a guy comes out with a bunch of Muppets <laughs> and hits them with hammers to get them sing. Is that what this, this guy have birds that are like yeah, all arranged in front of him and he's hitting them with little hammers actually, to Actually, what squeak? I think he should be called is the Mighty Mighty Dick Sissel Master. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, they have created the Cornell Hip Hop Collection, and it's a game. Right. So you go to Beast Box, and there are all sorts of birds oh that are loaded God. in. I'm I'm going to play this a little bit. These all are right. three North American species. See if you can. This is like the end of a really lame 90s movie where the uh, nature professor at a school is trying to teach kids to get, like, how hip nature is. It is. So, and then they win, like, they prevent the school from being bulldozed by the evil land developer. So that, that uh, <laughs> track that I laid down was the basic beatbox with a whippoorwill, a cactus wren, and a northern mockingbird. Sure. Uh, but you can, I mean, there's... Now, are those three birds that you would hear singing at the same time? Um, I don't know that... Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, you could, actually. Okay. Yeah, right. well, maybe not I Cactus Red and Whippoorwill. That's a constant source of concern and bafflement for you. I remember when we were watching Westworld and you were complaining about the bird calls, and I was like, this is a giant robot theme park built underground. The amount of detail that they paid to what humans would do... When you stab them or, like, we're getting your rocks off on them, that they wouldn't take the time oh, to Lord. put in a freaking turkey vulture instead of an old world oh, vulture. Oh, boy. But, hey, hey, here you go. Here's a bald eagle. Wait. No, no. No, it's not. It's not. Why isn't it going off? No, that's not an eagle. It's a red-tailed hawk. That was my joke. Oh, I see. That was okay. my joke. So anyway, you can you can mix in. I just have been playing around with the bird sounds, but the so actual... you can actually create your own mix. You can. Oh, you can. okay, that's fun. And uh, <laughs> do they... you? I'm sorry. Continue. No, they, and they have different regions, so you can do um, you can do like the Great Barrier Reef and things right. like that. And uh, if you Figure out, like, of all the species tracks that you can choose, if you figure out all the birds from the same biome, then you get bonus tracks. Oh, I see. So you can really annoy your coworkers. Do you remember many a year ago we went to uh, the Raptor Center and saw, like, some new fundraising, like, promo film that they had put out, and they had, like, a little theme song, which featured one of the things I hate most in the world, which is a kid's chorus where the kids are singing off-key. Number one. That was when we first moved to Minnesota. Yes. And I started volunteering there like two years later. Yes. That was not new. That was something that had been around for a while. That was old when... It was absolutely... Yeah, but it was terrible. Eagle, hawk, and owl, and falcon. And then the, the, like the one kid tries to hit the high note and fails, and you're supposed to think, oh, he's, he's trying... 
absolutely like the schmaltz of that drives me crazy schmaltz makes money man and, yes it does schmaltz and, had, and and graphically but injured we had animals. talked at that time about remixing that into a dance eagle hawk at alan falcon like yeah so i think somebody should do that so if you can find that old raptor center uh fundraising bruh if if schmaltz didn't sell then the humane society wouldn't constantly be using uh sarah mclaughlin you know i mean come on yeah come on yeah. I mean, even she's like, no, that makes so much money. It's I, great. That's fine. I'm just saying. That's Whereas I like see that as like turning off. Yeah. For every time I hear her, that's one yes. less dollar you're getting from me. Yeah. But I don't have as much money to give. Apparently, yeah. if you're rich, you oh, can sure. give a lot of money. But anyway, anyway. so Beast Box, you can uh, create all sorts of different things. There's whales. There's, mm-hmm. I think, javelinas in there. There's all kinds of primates in there. So there's even fish that make noise. Great. Cool. So anyway, all you right. can learn. So the link it's, is on... It's, the link is on birdchick.com if you want to find that. Yes, and it's a really cool way to interact with the Macaulay Library. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear me talk about the Macaulay Library for uh, very soon because uh, I'm partnering with them on a new podcast idea on how to learn your bird songs. And I know I keep saying, yeah, I'm working on this. Wow, it's really hard when you do edited podcasts. Yeah. Not oh, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, that's why I don't do them. <laughs> I know, this is going to be a really cool yeah. podcast, and it's fun, and I, I miss no, editing. editing is a colossal pain in the ass, especially editing audio. Yeah, it's not as easy to use GarageBand as it is to use iMovie. No, it's not. I almost am, like, this close to just editing it in I iMovie. I despise audio editing. I love editing. It's one of the things that... I, I really miss from I doing the web series. I love editing photos, and I love editing video. I hate editing audio. I really... Some of the happiest days of my life was when I was editing the digiscoping series I did mm-hmm. with Swarovski. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that. And now that I know so much more, it's like, oh, I could have done a lot of things differently. And sure. it's like, wow, I, I kind of want to go back and do that. But I think the only way for me to make money as a video editor is to do things that wouldn't be fun to edit. Right. Whereas, like, editing birding videos is so much fun. Yeah. But anyway, so there is a new podcast coming uh, to help you learn your bird calls, and I'm super excited because it's in conjunction with Cornell Lab and the Macaulay Library. And if you have not played with the Macaulay Library, you should. There, it's a free resource that you can access to a free source. A free source. Um, if you want to use some of the resources, you know, for money making ventures, then you're going to have to pay some money to mm-hmm. Cornell. But you can contribute to it, uh, and you can also choose whether or not your stuff is available for other people to download or mm-hmm. if it's just for you. But if you have heard, like I have a chickadee in my neighborhood that has this really weird-ass call, okay. and now the other chickadees are learning it. Clearly he bred last winter or last summer, and and it's just a weird thing. And, and so you can also go into the into the Macaulay Library and listen to all the chickadees. It's kind of like Zeno Canto, but a little bit easier to search around, I think. Okay. But uh, yeah. So anyway, play around with this. Uh, annoy your coworkers at work. Right. Um, I I'm was doing that. Going to tell you this now because we used to do this, and you seem to have forgotten this. Do not end with the most depressing story. Okay. Are you talking about with the new podcast or this podcast? This podcast. I don't care what you do on your own time. Even if you have all depressing stories, don't end with the most depressing story. So what was so depressing about the story I just did? Nothing. <laughs> but you'll go through and like, here's here's a bird that's really colorful. Oh, okay. Well, last story. Sorry about this. I forgot about this one. All right. Then I'm going to... Bird explodes in woman's heart. Police baffled. So I was listening to a podcast today about uh, 
a guy who was sent away to prison for murdering his wife because um, it's not the last story, so you can't get mad at me. Does this have anything to do with birds? It really does. It really does. Right. So um, this guy was uh, put away for murder because he, he claimed that uh, she said she was going to bed and he went in to, to go to bed like an hour or so later or whatever. And he found her on the stairs in a pool of blood. Mm -hmm. And so he called 911. It's like, my wife fell down. There's blood everywhere. Um, and with the investigation, the police found that uh, she had blunt force trauma to the back of her head. Like yeah. she had been hit by something several times. Okay. And uh, because... He had been with another woman who died with blunt force trauma to the back of the head. Mm -hmm. And then also there was a recently signed uh, insurance agreement between this couple. Mm -hmm. He, he went, got put away right. for life. Yep. Well, there was a guy who knew him as a neighbor who happened to be a lawyer. And was like, I don't think this guy really did it and did some investigation. And so it was like looking at all the forensic evidence. One of the things that they found on her was a tiny micro feather, mm -hmm. which was from a great horned owl. And, like, from great horned owl toes, because they're mm -hmm. booted. They have feathers that go all the way down to their, their talons. Mm -hmm. And he found one. And so then he kept pressing to go back into the evidence. And the police found, like, two or three more. And they mm -hmm. found, like, one in her hand and then, like, a couple on the back of her mm -hmm. head. And someone in the same neighborhood had reported that an owl had hit him while he was out jogging. So this lawyer is saying, I don't think this guy really killed her. I think what happened was maybe she walked outside to put out the recycling or she heard something weird. And this owl just nailed her on the back of the head and, you know, punctured the wrong artery. And, you know, that's that's what because, you know, why else would she have these owl feathers on her? And because he's not a birder and he's just this guy discovering mm -hmm. all the things that birders know about owls and even some things that maybe we don't uh everybody's like you're crazy the guy clearly killed his wife and he's like no no i i'm I, i've solved this an owl killed her clearly mm -hmm. and one of the things that uh i found really interesting was like he even went and looked at all the cases who have the people who've gone into hospitals and have been hit in the head by owls yeah like almost everybody across the board mm. gets hit on the right hand side, which is where this woman got hit. It's like owls always like, except for like maybe like one percent of the time, great horned owl. Yeah, and I was like, I want to know more about so that. So you get the guy freed? The guy's freed on something else. Oh, okay. But he could go back to jail. Okay. But even oh, is his... this one of those goddamn podcasts that were like, and now part seven, something I should have told you in the first episode. That someone knows something. No, this oh, isn't okay. that. Uh, which I actually like that nice little sure. Canadian series. Uh, no, this is. Uh, I'll put a link to it. I can't think of it, and I don't have my phone in front of me. It was just something I. Okay. Someone said, "Hey, you're a birder. You should listen to this. It's right. about an owl that may have killed somebody." All right, we've talked about something else. And I want to remind you: do not end with the most depressing story. I promise nothing. Okay. I'm gonna talk about. Okay, here's what's not depressing. Migration is happening. Okay. It's very exciting. Um, it's not as exciting for us up here because we just got 11 inches in the last couple of days, which is fine. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And it's actually melting now. But uh, I see all my friends down south. Julie Sikafoos has woodcocks in her yard. Yes. They're painting away. My friend Mia down in Oklahoma has woodcocks painting away. And then because of my work with the Park Service on the Mississippi River, I follow some Mississippi River Facebook pages, and uh, people in Iowa are getting these crazy numbers of uh, snow geese kind of down near the Montrose area. And uh, a friend of mine, Pete Nichols, pointed out today on the Next Red Radar, you could see during the day little 
not like you do during night migration, but you could see the geese being picked sure. up on the radar. So snow geese are on their way. Right. And with that, I'm excited to uh, plan my birding spring. What are you going to do for spring? Uh, play video games. Like, what do I normally do? Like, <laughs> spring is okay. Spring is actually probably my least favorite season because it's all mud. It's like it's too cold to like go for walks, and it's too muddy to bike. It's too wet and muddy. It's not too and, cold to go for walks. I was sweating today, and it was forty degrees. Well, that's fine for you. Uh, but it's like everything is mud. The grass hasn't come back, so everything is gray. And just like I really don't like spring. I like summer. I like fall a lot. Oh, fall uh, is probably my favorite season. Fall's my favorite. Summer's my least favorite. No, oh, but anyway, no. Spring is. I'm not. No, I'm not. If you watch birds, you would love spring so much. I would like. Sp- I like spring because we can sit out on our porch. Mm-hmm. It's not warm enough to like grill outside. So, but uh, anyway, so just planning my spring and my resolution this spring is to hit some uh, lecking birds. And the blinds mm-hmm. you can sit in. So uh, I've sure. booked a sharp-tailed grouse leck. Which, or no, I've booked a prairie chicken leck. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not allowed to book a sharp-tailed grouse leck until March 1st, which cracks me <laughs> and up. And you know what you did. <laughs> no, no, they're just not taking reservations sure. yet. But it cracks me up because sharp-tails start before prairie chickens. Mm. Sharp-tails are already kind of displaying up at Zach Zimbog. Oh. And, mm. and it's like, okay, prairie chickens start later, but okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Well, wait, they're not... I mean, like, the cabins aren't open, like, the people aren't, like, opening the cat, like, because well, I understand it if the people are, like, we're doing other shit I in our lives. I love that you think it's so nice that it's a cabin. Well, I mean, it's like, they're not, you say they're not taking reservations, and it's like, is it just that these people have arranged their schedules in such a way? No. Or are they doing something no, else? this is on public land. Oh, okay. The reservation I'm trying to make is a cold, dark, wooden box. Okay, why wouldn't that be open? Why wouldn't they allow you to make a reservation? I don't there? know. Whoever manages it. Well, and actually, here's the interesting thing, because I was, like, making the reservations, and I got the prairie chicken blind all booked up. Because mm-hmm. I feel like prairie chickens are more charismatic, and I'll post a, a video <laughs> to prairie They are. All right. They I got th- charisma. They do. They do. And I mean, not that sharp tails don't, but I feel like between the two, you get... I, th- I feel like you get more bang for your buck from a prairie chicken than you do from a sharp-tailed grouse. This is what I'm dealing with, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the sharp tails. Anyway, the the person that I have to deal with for the the public land for the sharp tails. Uh, I emailed. And I was like, "Hey, I'd like these dates," and they're like, "Yeah, that blind. We're pretty sure is going to be in that spot, but we're not taking reservations till March 1st. Oh, okay. Okay. So that, I mean, that's basically a scheduling issue. Is that so? The like. So this thing has to be moved out to there, or somebody needs to go over there and make sure that it's still standing and, like, open it up and make sure that human beings can go in there. I'm guessing it's a little of column A from column B. I've never oh, done yeah. this uh, sharp-tailed okay. grouse before, so... Because if it's just, like, a person's schedule, and it's just, no. like, you know what... My... There is no supervision with these things. Okay. They, right. they, they just, they tell you the location of the blind. Right. They tell you what time to get there. Right. They tell you how long to stay, which basically is... You can't leave until sure. the chickens and the grass well, I, leave. Oh, yeah, I mean it's it's sort of ridiculous, but I sort of understand it. It's like you like you have a schedule, and it's yeah. like okay, from this season we're going to be focusing on this animal and getting people in there, and you only have so many people and so many man hours, and it's like okay, we're not going to deal with this other animal and this other. I'm really surprised that issue. more people don't book time in blinds. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. No, hear me out. Okay, hear me out. I mean, when you go to, like, the Nebraska Santel Crane Festival, 
you can see prairie chickens and usually what happens is they if if you go with a tour group or if you go as part of the festival everybody knows where they're lucking it's usually at a broken down sorry we're heading into a tunnel right now <laughs> it's usually at a broken down um wind windmill uh -huh. like not like the big ones for energy but like the ones you see on little farmers properties mm -hmm. and that's 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 where they all display and you pull over in your bus or your cars and you just watch from the road now there are some you can go to like when I went to the Lex Trucks and War Festival, they private property owners had uh, prairie chicken blinds that you could book time in, and so there you're sitting in this dark box and you have to do it before dawn and you're hating yourself. You're like, why the fuck am I here? What is wrong with me? I hate myself. But then the sun comes out and you get these up close looks. Uh, in some cases, like the birds will even like stand on the blind to be like the most dominant, and so you can kind of like look up and out, and then like there's this like really like testosterone heavy chicken staring down at you, right. and you just get to watch the dancing to your heart's content, and you can take pictures till the cows come home, sure. and 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 I wonder I don't know if people are like me where it's this thing like I've done it at a couple of bird festivals, and I'm aware here in my state of where these blinds are, and I'm like, I should do that one year, I should do that one year, and then this is the year that I decided I'm booking all the blinds I can get, and now I'm gonna watch the this these crazy ass birds dance sure have you have you ever gone into a blind? I'm not talking to non birding bill, I'm talking to you, the listener. Have you done a blind? Tell me. Tell me what you did, and tell me if you liked it. You can email me at Sharon at BirdChick.com. Or are you listening to this and you're thinking, oh, man, why haven't I done this? Apparently, it's not too late. You should find out if your state has. Is that like a thing, like if you live in New York City, you don't go to the Statue of Liberty? It's I think like it kind of okay. is, because right. I feel like there's a lot in Minnesota that I haven't done birding-wise, because right. it's like, well, I kind of saw that bird somewhere else. Right. Or, yeah, I should do that some at some point. I live here, I'll get around to it. And I've just done so much traveling that I'm never here in the spring. And this spring, I'm actually going to be here. So I'm yeah. super excited. All right, next story. The next story is, uh, there is one point in spring when I'm not going to be here. Mm -hmm. And that's Godwit Days. April 18th through the 24th in Arcata, California. And I'm super excited to do this because... I've read about Godwit Days, I'm pretty sure, since I was a kid. Like, getting birding magazines when right. I was a little young child in Indianapolis, Indiana on Tabor Street on the south side. Uh, and I remember seeing like notes about Godwit days or when I was in a bird store and wondering why I was wasting my life behind a, a retail ca counter <laughs> and not living hand to mouth. Yeah, like I understand that. So and also I love the idea that there is an entire festival dedicated to a shorebird called a Godwit mm -hmm. and that it's just called Godwit days. What's so great about the Godwit? It's a shorebird. Okay. It's big for a shorebird. It's got, look at that upturned bill. How can you not like that upturned bill? I mean, look at this illustration of a bird. How can you say, so what's great about a godwit? Why is there a festival devoted to this one bird? Because there's a bunch of them there. Okay. All right. Why do you need more than that? Why can't you just say, hey, man, I like this bird. This, this bird hangs out in our town. Oh, new breakthroughs in godwit technology. Why do they have festivals dedicated to Batman? Because there's new Batman. <laughs> there's always new Batman. Well, there there are always new Godwits. Actually, I don't think there's a festival devoted to Batman. There's conventions that you can go to where Batman is a part of it. It's not like... <laughs> well, there's your video right there. There's a bunch of birders standing there. There's just like Batman running around, like running down to the lakeshore, then running back as the water comes in. Batman as Sanderling. Oh, look, he's, dig he's got his batarang. He's digging the clams out of the water. 
I'd go to that. Or like people just sitting outside of a cave and all of a sudden like 50,000 Batman come running out. That would be awesome. You know, you know what would be even better with that would be if it would be all the different Batmans. Oh, sure. And then like, you know, you'd get like really excited when you would see like the Adam West Batman sure, mixed sure, in sure. with all the Christian Bale Batman. Sure. And then you'd feel kind of bad when the Ben Affleck Batman came out. Yeah. Val Kilmer's have white nose. <gasps> oh, I I have all the feels about that joke because I love Val Kilmer, but that was not an appropriate Batman for anyone to watch. Oh, I kind of like Batman Forever. Okay, do you like which which Batman is the better Batman in your opinion, the Val Kilmer Batman or the George Clooney Batman? Uh, oh no, Clooney was just in a bad movie. I mean, <laughs> like it's not. It's not a good, like, you feel bad for everybody involved with it. I actually kind of liked Batman Forever, to tell you the truth. I haven't seen it in so long. It's not a good movie. Is that the one that had Kiss from a Rose in it? Uh, the Seal I song? I think so, because that was, I can't remember. That was, it was Kidman? definitely the one, it was definitely the Nicole Kidman one. So okay. let's see, it would have been, um, it was, uh, what's her name? Kim Basinger was. That was the Michael Keaton Batman. Okay, so that was the Michael Keaton Batman, and then the next woman was. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, because she was still... Catwoman. And then the third one, that would have been, yeah, that would have been uh, Kiss from the Rose. That would have been um, because the George Michael Clooney. Michael Keaton was only in two Batmans? Yes. Oh, okay. So, and then the fourth one was George Clooney, and that oh. was um, my gal Elle McPherson. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. So, but yes, that was Kiss from a Rose. And then the Christian Bale, Chris Nolan Batmans came Which out. very good. And, yeah, and uh, The Dark Knight. I will reference that movie till the cows come home. Yes, you will. Uh, you can find that so appropriate for so many yeah. birding topics. Anyway, like, so If you want to your... talk about splitting and lumping red poles, so, you can just start throwing in some Joker this is quotes. Our, this is our marriage that we went from Godwit <laughs> days to discussion of Batman. All right, so we move on the to the... The American Ornithologist Union mm. has plans. Ted Floyd from the ABA has plans. Introduce a little anarchy. Split the red poles. One thing birders do not have a problem with is anarchy. All right, next story, please. Cebu play. Uh, oh, we should talk about something called Sparrow Swap. Sparrow Swap, what is that? So it's a, a collective of researchers. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who maintains bluebird trails, right. uh, if you have ever tried to maintain those trails, you know that house sparrows are kind of a problem. Okay, do we? Do I need to, because I remember you talking about, do we need to preface this by saying... Trigger house, warning? Trigger warning. House sparrows are not a native species. They are invasive. They are everywhere. Bluebirds are... Are they endangered? They're just... No. They're just sort of... It, they're not doing great. They're doing way better than they used okay. to be because so anyway, we know so a lot more. So we're going to we're going to tell you something. It's not terrible, but and since you brought this up, I have really been doing some soul searching with my interpretive language. <laughs> I saw you standing on that cliff, <laughs> and Enya was playing in the background. It was okay. very touching. Number one, I was standing in the middle of a frozen Lake Calhoun. <laughs> or I'm sorry, a frozen Biddy Maka Ska, which I think is really cool that we've re- we've changed the name of that. I'll assume before you think we have a Ska festival on Biddy Maka Ska. Oh, that would be fantastic. But anyway, no, seriously, <laughs> I was standing on uh, a frozen Biddy Maka Ska today mm-hmm. uh, and listening to the trailer music for, um, what is that, Death Island, the zombie trailer? Dead Island. Oh, that. Yeah, it's beautiful okay. music, but anyway, that is that's that is my go-to for feeling right. alone and out in the middle of nowhere like Jon Snow. Sure. But I've been thinking about my the way I talk about 
invasive exotics or introduced species, Mm -hmm. like the house sparrow, which was pretty much introduced here in 1850. Mm -hmm. It's basically been here almost as long as we white people have. No, white people came in the 1500s. That's why I said almost. It's 300 years, Sharon. In the grand scheme of history, that's a blip. (laughs) It's a freaking blip. In the grand scheme of history, we are closer to the T-Rex than the T-Rex was to the earliest dinosaurs. And that's why I'm saying it's a blip. You are being <laughs> such an American right now, saying, hey, oh this 300 God. years really matters with this. <laughs> Please continue. Okay. But anyway, just thinking about being a naturalist who frequently gives programs to uh, Somali kids mm-hmm. or Hmong children or uh, kids from Guatemala... Because one of the things I really enjoy about the Twin Cities is that we have a very mixed population here. We do. We, it's, it, when we first moved here, it wasn't as big as it is now, but it was one of the things that appealed to me about living in this area. And so as I'm standing there talking about, well, this is an introduced species that's causing chaos. It's like, wow, that's really not the best message I want to mm. give to people. And okay, at the enough. end of the day, we're never going to get rid of house sparrows. No, we're not. We're never going to get rid of feral cats. Right. But we're going to have to manage them in certain situations. Well, I mean, that's one of the things I've brought up before is they were t- like in in the Europe, like the house sparrow, like they have house sparrow days because it is an endangered species. Like it is, yeah, it's yeah. on decline. And I've I've asked, and I don't think I've ever got a really great answer as to why is this species thriving over here when it can't thrive in its own in its native environment. And that's that's I suppose that's a that's a good. And it's know. because there's so much we don't know about yeah. the house sparrow because it's been considered so ubiquitous for so long. Especially here in the United States, it's right. like, why should we care? So that's where this really cool thing called right. Sparrow Swap comes okay. in. So, so, oh, that's why we were talking about this. It was like, we're going to, okay, so this thing we're going to talk well, about Well, and is, I, I had to right. go off on my tangent yeah. because you inspired me about that. So right. with Sparrow Swap, if you maintain a bluebird trail, you can join up with Sparrow Swap. And you can tell them, like, how many clutches of house sparrow eggs you think you might find mm-hmm. in your trail. And then you can sign up for the program. And with the program, you get some data sheets. And so when the house sparrows start nesting in your bluebird box, uh, SparrowSwap will send you fake slash decoy house sparrow eggs. So you switch them out. And then what you do is you have to send the sparrow eggs to SparrowSwap. Okay. And... You get you get the decoy eggs for free, but for sending in your um, the real eggs, the real eggs you have to pay for that. It's minimal. Sure. They give you all kinds of tips, like even using like some plastic Easter eggs mm-hmm. to to mail them. And what Sparrow Swap does is they uh, study the eggs. They study like the DNA of the eggs. Mm-hmm. They study um, the pesticide content sure. or the contaminant content, and they also. Uh, take note of uh, each state that the sparrow has come from mm-hmm. and notice the geographic differences in the DNA in those eggs. Right. So this is all kind of like a starting point for trying to understand what is the house sparrow in the United States? How is it different in Europe? And are there geographic differences since these birds have been introduced? Okay. Uh, and, and so you're contributing to citizen science. And then also, if you have house sparrows on your bluebird trail... They just incubate eggs that are never going to hatch. And let's be clear, like, house sparrows are complete. Don't, like, don't they kill bluebirds? Oh, they're assholes. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. As a matter of fact, somebody recently posted a picture on one of the forums I'm on, and it was an adult purple martin, Mm. and it was scalped in the back, Mm. and all this, like, oh, what did this? And all of us were saying, oh, that's house sparrow. No, house sparrows are so much smaller than purple martins. It's like, 
if a big bird is in a cavity, yeah. the smaller house sparrow has way more dexterity in that yeah. cavity. And and the house sparrow modus operandi, to if they really want a nest cavity, mm-hmm. is they will peck the back of the head of whatever bird mm. is in there and then kill them. So if you're, uh, here's my, so if you are a, a European birder or an expert on this, what is what is predating on European sparrows? I don't think it's a matter of predation. It's it's environment? It's like, it could be uh, environment. It could be... So if you know this, if, if somebody out there, uh, because somebody knows these things somebody's Are, like do doing you really think somebody in yes. the uk listens yes. to this podcast i know we have australians that listen anyway so somebody out there somebody knows something so tell me what is what is you need to say that European with a, you need sparrows. to say that with a more pause thing in our next episode something i should have told you three episodes ago in someone knows something i'm david ridgen here's the next person and, and then i got the vital clue which i will be revealing in two episodes I'm sorry I'm not telling you that now. Actually, the thing that I really love about David Ridgen is I'm pretty sure, and and David Ridgen does a podcast called Someone Knows Something, Mm. and if you like cold case stuff, you'll like his podcast. And if you like listening to Canadians talk to you, Mm. especially Canadians that constantly mention the dogs they encounter on their investigation, you're going to love Someone Knows Something. But he's also, I think, a little bit of a birder, because the bird sounds that he includes in (laughs) his, and it's almost like, I want to interview you outside because I know there's a prothonotary warbler singing out here, and I want that in the background. Why don't you email him and ask him about that? I'm sure he'll be fascinated. No. Oh, okay. No. All right. <laughs> so anyway, so you can uh, steal eggs and mail them into somebody else. Yeah, right. and, and 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting. Oh. And these animals, let's be clear, these are this is not a native species. These are not covered by the Migratory Species Act. What you are doing is not illegal. Yes, and if you want to be part of this. You have to be able to tell the difference of when you open a nest box. Mm-hmm. Is this a chickadee nest? Is this a oh, bird nest? Uh, yeah. Is this a house sparrow nest or is this a house wren nest? If you don't know the difference between those four species, right. and l- let me be clear, it's quite obvious, even if you're new to birding, if you mm-hmm. know what the I mean, you can't just if you send you can't send in house wren eggs because then you're committing a federal offense. Sure. Send them through the mail. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, one more story. Why does it have to be only one? Oh, I mean, another story. Um, FYI, there is a cardinal in Alabama right oh, now. Yeah. That's yellow. Even I know about this. I know. Um, I'm on a. I'm on a group. I don't want to say the name of the group because I think it's supposed to be quiet. But anyway, there's a yellow bird. There's we'll a yellow cardinal. Facebook. No, there's a yellow cardinal. If you're a newish birder that's listening to this and you know a lot of experienced birders, you don't need to post it to their wall. They've seen it. It doesn't help when you whisper, by the way. Like, even if you get close to the microphone, you speak in a normal voice. Okay, anyway. So there's a yellow cardinal out there. And and let me be clear. The yellow cardinal is great. Yeah. And the problem is, is like, and even I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. i got to share this on the bird chick page. This is going to be I'm shared give you to a, me 20 million times. If you are a new birder, let me give you some general advice. Don't post anything about colorful birds. Nobody cares. They want to see brown. Like, if you see the most dull colored bird, if this bird looks like it's been under a rock for four days, that's what they want to see. They want to see dull brown birds. That's what they find fascinating. That and owls. That too. But you can't post owls because then people will attack you. But we've talked about that. So, but no, it's, again, this is, I find the So it's the a male cardinal. cardinal. And, yep. and, and Ohio 
had two of these a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alabama has this. And, and basically what's going on with this cardinal is that it has some kind of gen- genetic mutation. Right. So instead of being bright red, it's yellow. And this is something that can happen to cardinals. Mm-hmm. It's rare. It might seem like more possible now, because like the two that were in Ohio and this bird in mm-hmm. Alabama, because we have the internet. I think people have been seeing yellow cardinals for years. Oh, probably, yeah. And because we didn't have the photographic technology or the yeah. internet, nobody knew. And and quite frankly, if like 30 years ago, someone's like, yeah, I got a cardinal in my yard, and it's yellow instead of red, I would just like, yeah. It's a goldfinch, yeah. Yeah, it's a goldfinch, or what, what are you smoking there? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, no, it's it's really cool. And but although if you're a birder, and actually there there've been some interesting things happening because everyone's like, you need to report it's yellow so... cardinal into eBird. And the problem is, is that there is an actual species called yellow cardinal, <laughs> and it's not even on this continent. See, this is bizarre to me that like you don't find this genetic mutation interesting. But like, what's that weird uh, warbler that it's like? It has to crossbreed and then crossbreed back. Oh. That you find fascinating. Is That's it, the Lawrence's warbler. Is that a, warbler. List, is a listing thing? No, it's no, I can't like, even okay. count that on my list. So, okay, so the Lawrence warbler, and that's also one of my goals this year. Mm. Uh, with is so Minnesota has the largest breeding population of golden wing warblers in mm-hmm. the in the world, and golden wing warblers they have like okay, so you and I have share a ton of DNA with chimpanzees it's like less than one percent yes we do yeah okay the difference between golden wing warblers and blue winged warblers mm-hmm. is even less than that. okay and it's, it's a big argument like we need to lump these fuckers sure. uh but that's not going to happen because they look super different so if a golden wing and a blue winged warbler breed they mm-hmm. produce something called a brewster's warbler right. which is very distinctive but every now and then people like myself mm-hmm. found on i'm just gonna humble brag Neil Gaiman's property, right. a Lawrence's warbler. Right. We don't 100... Which is a Brewster that's bred back with... That's a theory. So okay. that's a thing. We don't completely understand right. how Lawrence's warblers happen. Sure. The most prominent theory is that a Brewster, the hybrid of the mm-hmm. golden wing and the blue wing, has backcrossed with a blue wing right. or a golden wing. And the strongest argument is that it's backcrossed with a blue wing warbler because it has a very similar song. So, but my point is that like this mutation that happens very rarely is not interesting to you, but this other mutation is. The cardinal mutation, let me be clear. If that cardinal were here in Minnesota, would I try to get a picture of it? Hell yeah. <laughs> but I mean like I and, and like when it shows up in my newsfeed, that's great. When 20 different people text me and email me and post on Facebook. Would Have you, you be seen annoyed this? if 20 people uh, e- like posted a Lawrence's Warbler? Like, let's say, let's say. No one's ever one going to do that. Well, no, let's just say it should. Well, let's just say it showed up in the news and some, for whatever god awful reason, like, bring me, Lawrence... the, bring me the news had a story about this. And people said, oh, this is a bird story. I should send this to Sharon because she's interested in birds. If a Lawrence's Warbler showed up and bring me the news, it would be so inaccurate. Anyway, what I'm saying is... Oh, no, no, I no. I made my point. No, no. I'm just saying the yellow cardinal is cool. You're, if you are a newish birder and you share this with your birding friends... This is bird snobbery. It totally is. The reason yes. why you hate this is because common people notice it. I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying... The reason why you're annoyed with this, the reason why birders are annoyed with this, is because it's something common people can notice. It doesn't take expert knowledge to know that blah, blah, blah 
is a Lawrence's Warbler or a Brewster's Warbler, they can see a cardinal that is a different color than it's supposed to be. Okay, I totally see what's going on now. You totally think that you are in the middle of the song. I am occupying birding. No, you think you're in the middle of the song Common People. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like a cardinal in a corner. No, you have this specialized you, you have a specialized Look knowledge out. of these animals. And these plebeians are daring to think that they've seen something interesting. Because everybody hates a tourist. Especially Every, one who thinks now, this, it's all just I a I think laugh. you'll find that the lyric is, everybody hates a birder. <laughs> you will never all understand. All right, you're not singing the entire how text. How it feels to be stop. a birder. I will stop this podcast right now. <laughs> I will do it. My finger's on the space bar. It's like a really great lyric. Really no, you didn't. I did. But this is what's going on here, is that this is something that everybody sees and understands that this is weird. They think it's cool, but you birders didn't discover, you don't, like, it's not part of your secret knowledge. I know, but now I'm going through common people and, like, doing That's it great. as a birder. All right, and, like, do I need to stop this so you can get through your moment here and we'll I come think, back later? I think the people want to hear me no, sing common don't. people. They wanted to hear Shatner Why do don't it? you do that on your new podcast? Because it's, because it's with Cornell. They don't allow yeah. that stuff. All right, what's our next story? Well, I don't know. You just kind of now. I'm going to find the most depressing story that I can. <laughs> Good. It's going to be our last one. Um, FYI, the O'Reilly owl. O'Reilly. Arley. Oh yeah. Oh, the snowy owl. Yes. The snowy owl. The guy. The one. The guy that was complaining that his photo was being used. Yeah. Was it that one? Yeah, like that guy. Like the guy who took that photo was like I don't know if he was trying to reassume copyright on it, but like he was. Like he was annoyed that his photo got used, got got turned, got memed. Oh well, yeah. on the one hand, I can kind of understand that, but on the other hand, and like, bruh, mm. your picture is clearly a captive owl that you just caught in a kind of stressful moment. Sure, uh, it's not going to be on the cover of National Geographic. Could be, but uh, anyway, uh, the O'Reilly owl uh, turned uh, seventeen this year. Nice. It in one more year, it's going to be able to vote. That's not how that works. Sure it is. No, it really isn't. Anyway, uh, I just just I just think that's amazing that that meme has been around. And and I'm not the uh, and I'm not ashamed how long to say How the snowy owls live in captivity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not a super common bird in captivity oh, yeah, in North yeah. America. Yeah, I, I assume so. But I I honestly don't know. I can tell you that uh, some sawwhite owls don't live very long because mm. I'm just going to end this. This is what right. I'm going to end with. There is a, a somebody found an owl pellet, most likely a barred owl pellet, and there is a nice shiny band in there from a northern sawwhite owl. Oh, it's an okay. owl eat owl word. It world. is. They're, well, they're the two predators that are out at the same time. I suppose that they're going to come into a, a conflict. So, all right, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 231. Can no, it's not. We're like in the 300s, baby. This is 331. This is absolutely not 331. Do you realize that our last podcast that I put uh, a number to was 330? Time out. Okay, so what you just missed was... I uh, had... uh, a marriage therapy <laughs> session. Sharon, do you, do you want to read the last, the number of the last podcast you posted? Number 330. <laughs> no, the, the number before that. Number 229. <laughs> okay. Do you see the difference between the first numbers in that set? But I also see some similarities. <laughs> I'm still... That, please, that... ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the Sharon of 2020. All right. 
If you have any questions for my wife, like what's the future like? Do we have flying cars? Uh, you can email her, Sharon at birdchick.com. She's on Twitter, at birdchick. You can find her on Facebook, where I believe she is the real birdchick. We will be back soon, and hopefully we'll have this time distortion taken care of. Ta-ta.